Are you a staffing executive? Do you want to grow your business faster? Check out Staffing Hub Live. It's a new exclusive event designed for staffing execs who want to skip the line and ride business class as they speed towards their growth goals. At Staffing Hub Live, you'll learn how to select the right tech stack to beat your competitors. You'll hear from industry leaders who've grown firms from nothing to over $500 million in sales in just a few years. And you'll get tips from executives who have scaled through acquisition. Visit staffinghub.com slash live to learn more about this exclusive event. Hello, and welcome to The Staffing Show, the only podcast that delivers tools, tips, and tactics from the staffing and recruiting industry's top executives and thought leaders. In this episode, Caitlin DeLore, the editor-in-chief of Staffing Hub, interviews Ralph Henderson, the president of AMN. So what do you think has driven AMN's success? Gosh, there are probably three main things that um, I would say drive our success, and I'll, I'll start kind of at the high level, you know, our culture, our strategy, and our execution would be the three main ones. Our strategy is really kind of a customer-driven focus. We spend a lot of time trying to look forward into where the industry is going, asking our customers what needs they might have, all workforce-related, and then developing products and services that meet those needs, not just kind of what's happening to them today, but where they think they're going. So our strategy is very customer-centered. Our execution is a very process-plus-technology model. You know, we're a Lean Six Sigma company, and we're believers in you know finding the waste and you know doing things as efficiently as possible. But also, just that that experience and how that comes across is in a way that you would want to want to do business with somebody. Just like when they probably click on your website, you want them to have a look and feel that is familiar, right? So we try to do that in business, which is. A little unique, so our execution is driven a lot, though, by our team members, which make up our culture. It's a really, really cool company. And I've worked for some good ones. I started my career at American Express, and then I went from there to Spherion, which is a great company as well. But I've really kind of found uh, AMN to be unique in, you know, to the industry as well, but it's a unique company. You know, among all fortune companies with a lot of employees who stay a long time. People move around the organization. There's lots of different career opportunities for them. People are very customer-centered. The work we do has purpose. It you know, feels good to find a doctor for that rural town that needs one and a nurse that you know, can deliver babies. The work itself you know, has that element to it. And kind of bundling that all up is, I think, how we all interact with each other. Is It's unique. Um, it's very collaborative. There's a uh, teamwork. People you know, get a voice. You know, if you have a suggestion or an innovation, we, you know, we, we look at it. You're not a number. We may be a big company, but... In many ways, it seems like a bunch of people sitting around, you know, in a conference room by themselves, you know, with a small group. Somehow we've been able to preserve that at 3,000 employees, you know, being the size we are. It's, I think, one of the, the things that makes us special. So how do you how do you think you've preserved that? Because that seems like a huge challenge at that level. Yeah, I would give a lot of credit for that to Susan, our CEO, and Julie Fletcher, who's our chief human resource officer. They're able to find those bright spots about our organization and then expand on them. So like Julie's thing is, we, she calls it the, that one unique thing. So every employee has kind of one special circumstance that they need their employer to be flexible with. You know, For me, it was being home in time to coach my son's soccer team. For somebody else, it might be, you know, I, I want to have a flexible start time in the morning. Or for somebody else, it might be, you know, I'm going to work remote one day a month. So whatever it is. And she says, We're, you know, we enable that. So, you know, whatever your one thing is. And so she she really kind of fosters that. So that kind of makes 
everyone's experience personal. It's like there there isn't a formula, which is I think the downside of most big companies. I think that's that's why she brought it. She's like, well, just find something. And so even when you're having a, you know, one of your bad days and you have a customer you can't you know can't satisfy or you know some piece of technology isn't working just the way it's supposed right. to. That you can you can kind of lean on that and go okay yeah but I still got my one thing. Right. Susan on the other hand is charismatic. She's poised. People want to work harder after they spend time with her. She is enthusiastic about our team, our mission overall. She gets in front of customers. She loves doing what she was just doing, like wandering around <laughs> an exhibit hall as a CEO of a, kind of, of a Fortune company, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that's kind of that's exactly who she is at work too. So she is able to keep those things, which were probably you know some of those started probably in her entrepreneurial roots. You know, just walking the floors and getting enthusiastic and excited about things. She still does that, you know. And she dressed up once in a Catwoman suit. <laughs> When we had and we hit a certain goal, or you know, she'll lead us all into you know out on the dance floor when you know at a at one of our events. So you know, it's not what you expect your CEO to be like, and so I think that adds a lot of, a lot of it. And then um, giving those two a lot of credit, but I think the rest of the team members deserve a lot for helping us remember our roots. You know, remember those things that make us unique, not letting our heads get too big, and you know, really kind of always you know, staying focused on the clinicians and the customers. And, it can be a difficult business at times, sure. right? You can't meet everyone's needs. We don't sure. manufacture nurses in the back room. <laughs> and so it, you know, it comes with frustration. So if you don't have those, you know, kind of lighthearted moments, then yeah. it's yeah. a little more difficult. So you, I feel like you've given me a really good picture of the human aspect, which is the heart of AMN, it sounds like. You mentioned technology a few times. How, how do those sort of interact how does technology allow you to continue to be so human, I guess? Yeah, that's a really way, good way to word it. Early technologies um, in the staffing industry were focused on, you know, somebody you know, went into a conference room and designed a piece of software that they thought would, you know, help people do their jobs. Yeah. And in many cases, it made the job more difficult, right? You spent more of your time, you know, keen in data than you did interacting with candidates and customers. So there's been quite an evolution of, you know, products that are available out there that are extremely flexible, and personalize that. You know, you shouldn't have to put your name in, in an application and then put it in again on your I-9 form, put it in right. again over and over and right. over again. And so, you know, we've used technology to take the administrative work away from our recruiters and our account managers to the extent possible and for the candidate's experience and the client experience. So, you know, as few times as we can ask a question, right, so we know you Right. From transaction to transaction. So where recruiting adds value and where account management adds value in the process to our, our healthcare customers is not in the administrative work, but it's in the, the emotional part of the decision. As a recruiter, I'm trying to convince you that, you know, this is the right next step for your career, that this is the right fit for you from a cultural standpoint, a hospital yeah. you would want to work at, that it's not as hard as you think to travel across the country and right. try something different. You're going to learn new skills while you're there. Right? These yeah. are emotional things. I can't automate them. I don't want to. So, uh, the, you know, same thing with the account manager. Is that the right candidate for me? Do they fit our environment? Yeah. You know, do they have the skills they need to do the job? You know, will they be on time? Will they show up? Will they you know, be a distraction to the unit? So when you let them do that part of their job where they add the most value by taking away the other parts with technology, I think you create you know, a better environment. Yeah. So yeah. they can do more and they can earn more because... They focus on that central part of that transaction. I hate to call it a transaction because it is, it's, a, it's a career decision, but in some ways it's a transaction from a technology standpoint. This episode of The Staffing Show is brought to you by Text Us. 
You might remember TextUs for their conversational text messaging software that helps recruiters communicate faster with candidates. Since launching four years ago, TextUs has become the largest provider of text messaging to the staffing industry. In fact, over 500 staffing firms choose TextUs more than any other texting software on the market. Why are they so popular? Because the talent shortage is not going away anytime soon. And in the era of fake news and constant spam, your contacts can spot bullshit from a mile away. So getting a hold of the top talent is more difficult than ever. That's where TextUs comes in. Their real-time communication platform helps your recruiters cut through the noise and get a response. With TextUs, you can get a hold of talent faster with real-time recruiting. Activate passive candidates with conversational text messages. Send personalized group broadcast texts that open one-to-one conversations. Easily manage responses on your computer or smartphone. Click to call engaged contacts. And automatically track all of your texts and calls in your ATS. If you want to increase recruiter productivity, you should check out TextUs. You can claim your staffing show exclusive free 30-day pilot by visiting textus.com slash hub. Just go to textus.com slash hub to claim your pilot and start recruiting in real time. This episode of The Staffing Show is also brought to you by Staffing Referrals, the only referral platform designed for staffing firms. If you're like most staffing firms, a lot of your placements start with referrals, and you probably rely on your recruiters to spread the word about your referral program. That's where Staffing Referrals comes in. Their referral platform helps you capture up to 40% more referrals from your talent pool by transforming candidates and contractors into brand ambassadors. Why do staffing firms love staffing referrals? You can automatically track and manage your referral program. You get a referral program like the ones used by Lyft, Uber, and Airbnb. Your recruiters will get more referral leads than ever before. And you'll spend less time tracking and managing your referral program and more time placing candidates. Clients like Delta Locum Tenens and Focus Staff saw an ROI on the platform in their first month of piloting the platform. I think you should check it out. If you'd like to get more referral leads for your recruiters, check out their 90-day pilot. They're giving staffing show listeners $500 off their first 90 days. To claim your $500 discount, visit staffingreferrals.com slash hub. I think you'll love it. And you've seen technology and the entire industry change over the past decade or so. And it seems to be speeding up a lot, especially in terms of tech, but I think also in terms of the understanding of that human interaction at the center of everything. How do you, if you're going to put your fortune teller hat on, how do you anticipate the industry changing in the next two to five years. A couple things to think about. You're right. I started uh, 20, gosh, almost 25 years ago in the industry. And we actually did have tech back then. I'm not that old, but I think it was, it was green. It was a green screen, but you know, we didn't have a database and it was there to, for financial transactions and to, you know, monitor work productivity as opposed to facilitate the workflow and how things are supposed to happen or gather information along the way. And so there's that big change has been, it's been, uh, really been amazing. In the last like five years, it's really went from being a burden probably to the recruiter and the account manager to something that actually helps them do their job better. And in the last two or three years, then you're, you're seeing the introduction of, okay, now because those systems work so well at enabling those transactions and those, you know, those placements, 
the data that's gathered from that and you know what happens along the way, where why people don't take jobs, right? Why they do, when do they click with the recruiters, when do they not, what's the best time to call them? Things like that start to come out of the data. And a lot of people are, you know, we use all these fancy words, artificial intelligence and stuff like that. Or, but it's really just understanding the history of what happened. And then, you know, you can deconstruct that and you can turn that into ways to, to you know, change the industry. So, you know, like one of the things we, we've done is uh, we have an algorithm that tells our recruiters who's the, who's the best person to call when they first arrive at the office in the morning. So based on wow. what we saw last night, which is like your, your activity as a candidate on our website, you yeah. were looking at jobs, you might have come to us from Career Builder or Monster, we know that. We know that you're, you have this specialty and that you were looking at jobs in that specialty. We also know what city and state you were looking in, right? We also know what orders we have, we matched it up overnight, that fit kind of what you were doing that may, you, know, may not have, you may not have found. We could actually then add information about you just based on your you know, kind of your, your profile, right? So who you are, where you went to school, our interactions with you in the past. And you take yeah. all of that information, you tell a recruiter, this person is probably ready to look for a job. We use the term job embeddedness. How ready are you to go look for your next opportunity? And, you know, we're all kind of, everybody, you know, you follow the survey, I always say, you know, 30% of people are going to leave their job at any moment. Right. Right? But that's, you know, that's because we're all kind of constantly looking for this or something better. But if I can tell you that when they're really ready, right, the closer they are to the, to this something better. That's what we're able to do. So we tell our recruiters, this is a person who's really has spent enough time. And so we kind of curate for them. And so then when they make the call, they're talking to somebody who's highly interested. And instead of calling through big databases, calling people who don't really want to hear from you, who just wanted to look at jobs and, you know, may have a passive interest at this point. So we can move them along, right? We can watch what they've done. We can take more information. And this just wasn't even available three years ago. So information like that. This, on the same hand, we use technology to help identify, you know, what are the opportunities that, you know, that's from the candidate perspective first, but then what are the job opportunities, the best ones, you know, for our recruiters to work on? And that's the, that's the client who interviews the fastest and has the, the least friction in their onboarding and hiring process. And they're, they're really looking right to make a move. And so when you put those two things together, then you end up with a very powerful combination, which has led, to our growth. How do you think that will change the way teams recruiting teams work? How do you think it will change like industry-wide, you know? You look at the industry that uh, I do kind of think of the those people who interact with the clients again it's kind of the heart and soul of the business and we used to have to surround them with, you know, five or six other people. So those those some of those roles may not exist. I know mm-hmm. that's everybody's big fear. I don't um, believe that Again, like that, back to that emotional part will go away. But I do think that there will be some some task oriented things, administrative things that you know are not necessary parts of the equation and, and not really value added. So I think that change will mean that you know, you know recruiting organizations will probably look smaller in the future by headcount standpoint. They recruiters actually may be more productive. They may be able to manage more requisitions, more candidates than um, they have in the past. We're already we are seeing that. Clients will have more data to make their decisions as well. And so I think they'll make better decisions and faster decisions. And the data will get presented to them in such a way that they can do that. So today comes in kind of random. Here's a CV. Here's an app. Here's a, you know, a skills checklist. Here's their background check. Here's their drug screening. It would be nice to have like kind of a more holistic picture. And I think um, whenever that happens, when our industry pulls that together, I think our clients will be more satisfied. And, you know, there's times when the clients look at, Staffing as a necessary evil has been referred to, or 
you know, something that, you know, is a sign that their internal improvement department failed or whatever. And I don't, I don't want, I don't want them to see us like that. I want them to see them as somebody who's curating talent for them in ways that they wouldn't do it themselves or can't do it themselves. The other thing that's changing a lot is there's, you know, a time and early in my career when, you know, you were a temple because you couldn't get a full-time job, sure. right? Yeah. And the industry was, you know, industrial and clerical primarily and, that world has changed, right? Now, having freedom to work where I want to work and the days I want to work and the shifts I want to work, that empowers people. And so people were feeling like that should be populated, you know, in greater amounts. You know, sometimes you, know, you, get, you get jealous of people that yeah. have that kind of job flexibility. <laughs> oh, they get to work from home and they get to set their own hours. And so, the, you know, that's coming at us fast and furious. And so how does that fit into, you know, some of the environments where we staff and how do we get our, how do we take our clients and move them? If you, if you're, you're dead set on the 40 hour work week, eight to five, you're going to be less attractive to a workforce that wants to work eight to five some days, but want to work from home on Fridays. And, uh, and, you know, I, I probably want to work straight through lunch and go home at four on Wednesday. And, and I want to come in late so I can take my daughter to swim practice on Tuesday. You know, I think that change will force all of us into, you know, more sophisticated tools for identifying, you know, ways to schedule candidates, right? Optimizing the workforce, right? Not just based on the client's needs, which is the way it's always been done. You know, the employer's needs, yeah. You know, we need people to work these hours. And so that's what everybody works. You know, instead it'll be, you know, you'll be able to plug and play a little bit differently. And maybe two people can share a job easier or... You could fill a single job with, you know, five different doctors. Right? Right, you know, right. It's an emergency room and they all have the same skills and let's use five doctors sure, to, to sure. fill that. So then there's five part-time doctors yeah. that get what they wanted rather than maybe dropping out of the workforce. And right. so they stay active. So I think there'll be, you know, there'll be technological advances, though, to help us get there. And um, I do think the staffing industry is a good, uh, you know, good place to start there. We have acquired one company that does workforce optimization, focused primarily on nurse staffing in acute care hospitals. It's called Advantis. And they have a technology that helps hospitals predict their needs. So it looks at, like, you know, patient data, right, census data, you know, seasonal patterns in the weather, whether or not the local football game, you know, is, is home or, you know, home game or not, is emergency room visits go up whenever there's a home game. So things like that. And then it uses, takes that model and combines all of that and says, okay, here's how you should staff. Here's how much your work should be core, how much your work should be flexible workforce. Right? Here's, here's a few shifts that are going to be really tough to fill. You should give those to your, your supplier network sooner rather than later so you get the best talent out of that network and not at the last, very last second. You know well out. And it's highly accurate. And they're in the high 90s, 90th percentile, even as much as 30, 60, 90 days out. And most of my clients are, you know, almost week to week on, on filling their schedule. So it's like, you know, it's a relief for the customer to be able to do that. So I think those technologies, which, you know, like I said, we've, we've acquired our, our way into that. And, you know, we need to integrate that better with everything we do. Those are some unique opportunities for the staffing industry to say we add more value than just filling that one shift. We're going to tell you it needs to be filled. And fill it. Might be able to help you with your turnover. Maybe your people don't, right. you know, they don't want to work for five days a week anymore. We can yeah. we can come up with a model that might help you in other ways to drive your business. So with that model in place, what like this all seems very next level. So I'm thinking, what are yeah. your day to day challenges? <laughs> all the technology in the world isn't going to create nurses and doctors. For sure. <laughs> Canada acquisition is is the number one challenge of my job and. It's still what excites me, and you know, and the, and the usually when things are going wrong and it, it frustrates you people, but it doesn't for me. It's just like okay, that's just a different type of challenge. And so I spend a lot of my time, more than half of my time, thinking about the candidate 
right? What do they want? How do we get more of them uh, to come to our assignments? You know, what are they looking for? You know, comp benefits, work locations, recruitment process, screening process in order to make them uh, want to work a little bit, you know, more for me and, you know, and maybe not, you know, do something else or even stay home. Three million nurses, there's only like, at any given day, there's like 300,000 of RNs that aren't working anywhere because they don't want to. And if I could come up with options for them, how do I get those 300,000 back back to work? Same with doctors, right? The model there is evolving, you know, but you know, the gender balance is, is definitely flip-flopping and it used to be this male-dominated, you owned your own practice and if if another doctor was out, you filled in for him. And then, you know now it's, you know, people won't work like balance, male and female. They may only want to work two or three days a week, and they want different different work arrangements yeah. than existed. So, and try to think about how do we how do we create environments where those people can have a they have a work experience. So we we do that. Um, the other is kind of the there's a geographic distribution issue, which is part of the shortage. And sometimes there's more RNs in Alabama than they need in Alabama. And you know, so my job is to get them into California and get the second license or a third license. And so we'll try to help resolve that uh, logistics issue. And, and it exists really not just in nurses, but in all specialties. There's not PTs are concentrated sometimes in, in, in big cities, and I need them to work, you know, in rural communities. So trying to, trying to move people, you know, find out what motivates people to get them to do that. So is that, like, is that a procedural sort of, like, building in processes to, say, help nurses find their way out of burnout if they're the ones at home or... Or incentivize moving around, or is it a different level of thinking in terms no, of meeting these challenges? I mean, it, it, you you captured a couple of them, right? Which is the you know sometimes just being part of an organization for a long period of time, people do get burned out, or they or they feel the politics, and um, they don't get to do the the core work that they went to school to do. It's just I just want to be a nurse, and I just want to I just want to serve patients and. And they're you know, pulled into training, and they're part of compliance, and they're you know all, all, all types of different work that's not as attractive to them. Why not? Why they went to school, and so helping them find you know new new career opportunities, and helping the clients understand whenever they're they're creating an environment that causes that is you know, just part of my job. I, I think oftentimes those things kind of build up over time, and people don't. I can't see it. I'm sure I have some in my own organization and I ought to be looking at, but that's, uh, that, that is part of the job is that facilitating, you know, them into where you want to be in your career. When I look out, right, as to where AMN will go, I mean, certainly it's been a really, really fun, you know, few years for us. I, you know, I think one of my proudest accomplishments was like that being on the Fortune's fastest growing companies. My whole career, I've been in a lot of high growth companies that never really had a three year you know, kind of run where you made it on the list. We ended up number 11. We're just a couple slots behind Amazon, which I thought was pretty fun. But I think there was more ahead for us. I, I, you know, every day I talk to somebody who's, you know, a hospital has to, you know, close beds or can't do surgeries or can't treat patients overnight in the way they want to do it. And I, I watch this evolution of medicine. I do like to see you know, what will we be next and what would be the services that they, you know, they're going to want us to provide. I know what it's not. I mean, I, one of my better examples is uh, ambulance drivers. If the cars are driverless, ambulances definitely will be driverless first, right? <laughs> right, right, right. And if there are two people in that car, I want them both back there working on me right. or my, my patients. So, you know, that shift kind of thing. So how does how do other changes in the market start to impact us? You know, is it possible, right, that healthcare is not going to be delivered as much in an acute care hospital, but it'll be delivered, you know, in my house? And, you know, will my doctor be remote? 
you know, at some point? Will my surgeon be remote? I think, you know, and so how, what, are the, what, are, what does that mean for the workforce? So, right, right? Oh, right. I want to work from home, but I, I, I think that, you know, I, I have a presentation I do about the future of, of healthcare, and then I, I do a second session on the future of the worker and what workers want. And they're actually going to match up pretty well, so I mm-hmm. have a lot of confidence. And I don't go to dark places when I, when I do it. But there, yeah. you know, things like constant monitoring your health, right? You know, devices on your body that, that tell you how healthy you are. Medicine is specific to you, right? Not, it used to just be your height and your weight and your sex. And, you know, okay, you get, you know, 800 milligrams of that. Right, right, and, and right. now it's like customized down to the individual level. So that means, you know, scientists, right, DNA, right, pharmacists who, who mix up, you know, compounds, you know, specific to me and my DNA. Yeah, yeah. So I don't mean that the job doesn't exist today, right? right? So how do I fill that job in the future? And, you know, what do we need to do to be in the right position? So. I can imagine us, you know, being a big part of that. Maybe, you know, robots in healthcare, who knows, right? I think there's some interesting places for it, you know. Well, moving patients around the facility, you know, people get hurt doing it. It's, you know, stressful work. Patients get hurt. You know, there's got to be better ways to do it. You could see that when you go to automated facilities, you know, there, you know, yeah. there aren't people. They can move, they can do some pretty tricky things like that. And so I'm like, okay, how will that come? How will that impact Healthcare. I think those are things that will make a nurse's life better. Yeah, that's interesting because it seems to me those kind of things are exactly what will keep the heart centered or like what you need the person to touch for. Right, right at the center of healthcare and the rest right. will be more automated. Yeah. But the nice thing about it is it's it's a hands-on industry. We're not going to outsource it. Right. <laughs> um, so when I, that's why I say I don't go to dark places. I go, right. okay, it's like, right. okay, so less paperwork. The nurses are doing less paperwork. The doctors are in front of patients more. Mm-hmm. They have all the data they need to make decisions. That creates a, just a more efficient system. And AMN wants to be part of that. Thanks for listening to The Staffing Show. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at staffinghub.com to never miss an episode. Until next time.